The last case for argument, case number 23-1702 from the Southern District of Iowa, Menard versus Farm Bureau of Property and Casualty Insurance Company. May it please the court, counsel. The legal issue Farm Bureau brings to this court today is one of strict contract interpretation. Uh, the issue revolves around a specific uh, motor vehicle liability exclusion included in a policy issued by Farm Bureau to Cynthia Bowen. Ms. Bowen was injured while attempting to load wood at a Menards store. Menards proceeded to tender a defense of the liability claim alleging that they were an insured. For purposes of this appeal, Farm Bureau is strictly arguing that because Ms. Bowen was a named insured under the policy, there is no coverage under the policy pursuant to what the policy labels as an intra-family member immunity clause. The district court found that the, while those clauses are valid in the state of Iowa, that clause did not, or that provision did not apply in this circumstance because Ms. Bowen was not related to the Menards employee. Farm Bureau uh, argues today that that is a misinterpretation of both the provision itself and controlling Iowa law, which would, uh, which would find that Ms. Bowen, any bodily injury suffered by Ms. Bowen would be precluded from coverage under the liability provision. The provision itself reads, there is no coverage for any bodily injury to any insured or any member of an insured's family residing in the insured's household. Farm Bureau, uh, and I stand here today to say, no coverage for any bodily injury to any insured as un unambiguous as an insurance policy can probably get. And looking well, at this... If, if that's the case, um, wasn't, it wasn't addressed by the district court. It wasn't addressed by appellee's counsel. So I asked myself, well, was this even argued to the district court? Of course, it was argued in breadth. But you know where I found the argument? in one sentence at the bottom of page 19 of your uh, brief and office in your summary judgment brief to the district court. Your Honor, is we... That, is that really preserving the issue? Uh, we did preserve it. We did argue it. The district court did rule on you it. You didn't argue it orally, did you? No, there was no oral argument. And you didn't argue it anywhere except on uh, page 365 of the appendix, which was page 19 of your summary judgment brief which was filed quite late in the large docket world. We, we did argue that the, yeah, the exclusion did apply to preclude liability coverage to Ms. Bowen's injury. We, yeah, that's the general argument which would include the, the source as well as the subject. Well, the sole basis for liability was were the personal injuries suffered by Ms. Bowen. Uh, the sole source of the claim being filed by Menards, and that was the sole source of, of what they sought coverage for. Uh, the issues that were raised in the summary judgment briefing were, were threefold. The first being was... I, I know what they were. And, I'm, I'm talking about this issue because it's remarkable that almost the only, I mean, the key issue raised on appeal was not even discussed by the district court. That's, that's usually very surprising. It always raises some question of why not? I mean, and the why not is that it wasn't the focus of the, well, the case presented to the district court. The district court did address this exclusion. They just found that the exclusion itself didn't apply 
apply because intra-family, the title of the exclusion, somehow implies that Ms. Bowen had to be related to the Menards employee and for the, for the exclusion to apply. We did argue... No, no, I know, because the, the, the source of the injury was an employee who was not a member of the family. That's correct. That was the district court's analysis. On, on this specific exclusion, yes, because right. the title of the exclusion is interesting. Without addressing whether the exclusion covers victim as well as source. Well, the district court found as a matter of law that the exclusion didn't apply to the claim. Our position is that the exclusion does apply to the claim and that the district court's interpretation of the exclusion itself is contrary to, to controlling Iowa law and is also contrary to the plain uh, interpretation of the contract itself. The terms of the contract, the provision in the contract specifically states there is no coverage for any bodily injury to any insured. Farm Bureau raised that issue with the district court, argued that the exclusion applied by its plain terms. District court found, based solely on the title of the exclusion, that because Ms. Bowen wasn't, wasn't related to the Menards employee, the exclusion was not applicable. Further, in a footnote, the district court then also um, determined that if our interpretation of this exclusion were to be accepted, it would severely impinge or severely limit the applicability of Iowa's omnibus liability statute, motor vehicle liability statute. And those two contentions are, are respectfully a misreading of both the policy and Iowa law. Uh, Iowa, the Iowa Supreme Court, which this court is bound to apply or to follow when applying Iowa law in contract interpretation of insurance policies, ruled in 2008 that there's no requirement in coverage in the Jones case, no requirement of coverage for this type of claim under the omnibus liability statute. Beyond that, the facts match up to both the Robin case, which was decided in 1973, and the Walker case, which was decided in 1983, in which non-family member insureds were found to be liability claims for similar worded interfamily or family member uh, exclusions. And I think the timing of this is important because there was a case prior to Rot, the uh, Dairyland Insurance versus Concrete Products, which is actually closer factually to this case, in which case company did file an auto liability claim with the uh, insurer of the injured party, and there was coverage found in that instance. There was no family member or no insured uh, exclusion uh, claim in that case. That case was decided in January of 1973. The Rodman case was then decided in July of 1973, determining that these types of exclusions are valid. They are enforceable to exclude liability coverage when an injury is suffered by an insurer. Menard's um, counsel suggests that there was a change in Iowa law that that reflects um, a significant enough um, change in the in the in the at least the legislature's view of this that we should rethink those cases. Do you agree? No. We just have to look no further than that Jones case in 2008, which was decided after those 1999 exclu- or 1999 adjustments to the legislature, in which the court mentioned. Worst father of the consortium claim. In that case, with 
exclusion language is nearly identical to the language here. The court had no problem recognizing that the child case was excluded. Her claim for bodily injury was excluded because she was in the vehicle, using the vehicle. Was that at issue, or was it only the divorced father's claim that was issue? In other words, did the court have to actually address the daughter's claim? They did not have to actually address the daughter's claim, but I think it's important that they felt the need to talk about the daughter's claim in that case to provide context on the father's claim. The father is ultimately found to not be insured under the policy and not be a resident of the insured mother's household, so his claim was valid as a liability claim under the source. In this case, Ms. Bowman is a named insured under the policy. She is the purchaser of the policy. She is the one that decided on the coverage. Nards is an unnamed insured under the policy. There's no ambiguity in the
Good afternoon, Your Honors. Um, may it please the court, counsel. My name is Veronica Kirk. I represent the plaintiff, Appley Menard Incorporated, in this matter. Menard respectfully requests that this court uphold the decision of the district court in this matter and affirm the summary judgment order um, granting coverage in favor of Menard. I'd like to begin by addressing an initial question you may have that um, counsel just alluded to. Why is Menard here asking for coverage? Why is Menard um, not assuming liability for its own employees' actions? Menard is not asking for anything that it's not entitled to. Farm Bureau wrote this insurance policy, not Menard. Farm Bureau had no intent to I, I don't think you have to. I'm sorry? That, that's not an issue here. Um, if, if you've got a good claim, you've got a good claim. If you don't, you don't. Correct. So um, insurance policies are contracts of adhesion, which should be strictly construed against insurers. Um, well, that started off with one of the most controversial assertions you can make. It isn't, it isn't really on point to what we're looking at. As counsel noted it, I wanted to just briefly address that. The Iowa Supreme Court has given us a template to perform an insurance coverage analysis. So initially, um, when we're determining if there is insurance coverage available for a potential insured, um, we first determine if coverage applies, and then determine if there's an exclusion which takes coverage away. Um, so I'd like to refer to a couple of policy terms. The First, there are some general definitions in the Farm Bureau policy. Um, I'd like to refer first to the severability, severability clause. This separately to each insured against whom a claim or suit is What's wrong with the plain language argument made on appeal? There's nothing wrong with the plain argument. That the exclusion clearly says it excludes insured, named or otherwise, if whether their source or of the source of the injury or the victim of the injury. And the only the only analysis the district court made was to conclude that that um, the source of the injury, Menard's employee, was was not a member of the family. That strikes me as, as scratching the barely scratching the surface of the issue. Yes, Your Honor, because um, at issue one in the motion for summary judgment was whether or not the vehicle was being used by the Menards employee um, in loading the force into the policyholders. Okay, you won that issue and it's not on appeal. Correct. So the um, the district court had to spend considerable time addressing that issue. Then the, the district court moved to a coverage analysis um, to determine if there was coverage under the Farm Bureau policy. Determined there was, and that's not an issue on appeal. So let's, let's get, you know, we're tight. So um, I was going to move to the plain language interpretation issue next. Um, we look first at each insured making a claim under the policy. So I move first the get there. The who is an insured, um, it lists 
uh, several grants of several types of um, and Ms. categories. Is insured. Correct. Indeed, the named insured, I guess. Whatever. Is in, uh, named insured. Okay. And then um, there's a listing of four categories who are insureds. And number three is any other person while using your personal vehicle, if its use is within the scope of your consent, and then the list is joined in the board. So the um, minority employee is a, is a permissive user. And Let's get to the language of the exclusion. Family. Considering the full universe of all potential insurers at the same time and evaluating. You know, I, you're looking down. Did you read the language any bodily injury inflicted on or suffered by any insured? That's the language I'm concerned about. That, isn't that in the exclusion? It doesn't say suffered by. I'm sorry. If you look at, um, there is no coverage for any bodily injury to any insured or any member of an insured's family residing in the insured's household. It's on uh, page 16 of the Appley's brief. And if it says any insured... You're trying to say that it, that once one, if I'm understanding your position, you're saying that if the Menards employee is an insured, which everybody agrees, then Ms. Bowen cannot also be an insured. So that just knocks her out of the ring. Um, my argument is that Farm Bureau is considering the entire potentiality of all insureds at the same time, and if you read the the severability clause. It states that you should look only at the insured making the claim at that particular time. Find coverage for them, find out if there's an exclusion, and then move on. Farm Bureau is saying you look at everyone all at once, this whole big blob of potential insureds, and apply the exclusion to all of them all at once. See, I, 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 I was having a real tough time following that argument because it, if, you're, if you're saying, well, I guess just to follow, maybe I shouldn't have interrupted, but are you saying what Judge Kelly just said, that as long as the Menards employee is an additional insured, that Ms. Bowen isn't an insured? She could also potentially be an insured, but she's not making a claim here. So there's no need to even look at her. Who's making a claim? She is. The Menard employee is making a claim. Ms. Bowen is a, is, happens to be a beneficiary of the, um, of the claim, of but the policy. But you're asking Farm Bureau to pay money to their own insured. Correct. We're asking Farm Bureau to, play, to provide liability coverage for um, the Marnard employee who they admit isn't insured. They're providing liability coverage. And it just so happens that Ms. Bowen, their own insured, is the person who got hurt. Well, and under your theory, then, the exclusion would never apply to even an intrafamily. No, that's not true. So if you look at, um, if, for example, the Menard employee had been assisting his spouse, to load boards on, into their own vehicle, then the exclusion would apply. 
So you why, simply why would it apply in that situation and not in this situation? If you read the exclusion and you apply, if and you insert the person's name in the place of the insured. So if you read, there is no coverage for any bodily injury to any insured or any member of an insured's household residing in the Menard's employee's household. Well, that makes sense, right? So there's no coverage for the Menard employee's spouse and family or, or you know, whoever lives in his house. That's what it's intended for. It's intended for if you're driving your kids and you accidentally um, get into an accident that injures your family members. It's an intended to exclude liability for your family. How is this case different from that Walker case that seemed to have the exact same facts? Certainly, I'd like to address that. Um, so that's kind of what Farm Bureau relies upon for the majority of their interpretation. Um, I would note that that was a 1983 Iowa Supreme Court decision. And um, it, it's that case was primarily a public policy um, issue. Uh, I would note that in that case, an American family pu policyholder was being driven by his friend, um, Mr. Walker, and he was um, the American family public policy. Excuse me, American family policyholder was fatally injured. So um, his estate brought suit against Mr. Walker. Mr. Walker asked American family for a defense and indemnity. They refused to provide it, citing their um, interfamily immunity exclusion. Now, the parties asked the court to make public policy decisions on a couple of matters, including whether Iowa's financial responsibility statute required that motorists carry in, um, insurance coverage, and whether I was. I want to ask you about that, but let me come back to the, sure. the language of the exclusion. So, I. If there is no coverage. For any bodily injury to any insured. Now, if you'll note, this, the, this is an issue of that involves bodily injury to Ms. Bowen. I'll, um, if you'll note, the language in the uh, it, it states that there is no bodily injury for, uh, or excuse me, there is no coverage for any bodily injury to any insured, and then it also goes on to talk about the insured. So um, to, to, it goes on to discuss the insured. It is not clear in that um, situation. No, where it goes on where? In the exclusion. No, I just read you the whole ex exclusion. Um, it's, it's in your addendum. If you if go on further, it talks about the, the person must also be residing in their household. So where? that... But that, that modifies the, the phrase, any member of the insured's family residing in the household. That doesn't modify the whole. So is this whole case then turn on the, whether that phrase modifies the whole sentence or whether it modifies the one phrase? Uh, I don't believe so. I would submit that it, first off, that that exclusion simply doesn't apply because it, um, it doesn't make sense to apply it to to the um, entire potentiality of all possible persons that you are um, searching for coverage for. The plain language of the statute or of, of the contract when you are looking. Um, I, I don't understand that argument. I mean, it's no coverage. This is, this, you are seeking coverage for Ms. Bowen's claim against your client. Correct. And this says, there is no, 
there is no coverage for an injury to an insured. And she was an insured. Excluded. Plain language. I would submit that it, you don't have to get that far because she is not the one making the claim. Menard is the one making the claim. And you don't evaluate no, Ms. No, Bowen. No, it's, it's coverage for the underlying third-party claim. That's always what we're talking about in these DJ, declaratory judgment suits. Does, My, does the insurer secret, seeking a no-coverage, no-defense ruling, is, is, is that, was coverage improperly denied on the grounds that uh, this is not a covered claim? So I would submit that we, that we Farm Bureau don't have to cover you for a claim by Ms. Bowen, who wasn't insured, was, was your insured, or was our insured, because she's the one who was injured. I'm sorry, I didn't understand where your um, question. Well, I, I guess we, we, don't, we, we aren't discussing the same case. I believe. I, I don't think it could be any clearer. How can how can there you can uh, you can talk about public policy and financial responsibility, and then I then I have trouble finding your. I, I look you cite a 1998, and then you call it a 1999 amendment to the minimum financial responsibility, and I go to the Iowa Code that's in my Minneapolis library, and it it, it lists all the amendments, and there's no 98 amendment. The last one listed is 1983. I don't know what you're talking about. I verified it with the Legislative Service Agency here in town. I verified that date of the amendment with the Legislative Service Agency. I'm sorry. I verified the date of the amendment with the Legislative Service Agency. Uh, my point, Your Honor, is that... Well, where is it? it? Why didn't you give it to us then? I, I did, Your Honor. It's included in my... Um, in my um, in our in my materials. Well, where in the materials? The the essential point, Your Honor, is that if you no, read, I read series, where do I look? I gotta find it. I looked. I didn't go through. I don't know how many volumes of appendix you gave us, but you know, when lawyers don't don't tell either give it to us or tell us where to find it, you say, oh, I asked the legislative services people, and they assured me that blah, blah. Uh, the essential point, Your Honor, is if you read the summary clause in conjunction with the definition of who is an insurer, you see that you do not need to evaluate the entire universe of all of the potential insureds. You simply look at... No, I'm just, talking, I'm just looking at Ms. Bowen. I think severability clause is irrelevant. No, wait a minute. On this 98 amendment, I wanted to find it because I think the Shelter case in 1999 is, is refutes your argument based on all the amendments discussed in Shelter. I don't believe it does because all of the other cases that my opponent cites after the Walker case, they all refer to uninsured and Shelter does, though. It was tiny. No, I don't believe so. The court has not addressed this specific factual situation since the Walker case. And after that time, the legislature has amended 
So you can't tell me whether Shelter was decided before or after the amendment that you're relying on that I can't find. If you'll allow me, I'll pull it up here. It's at my table. Oh, that's fine. That's all right. Site uh, address family member. Uh, I think that those were exhaustingly addressed in the briefing. But Kraus and Lincoln were both decided in 1989. Inray Boyd was decided in 2001. Ringelberg, an Iowa Supreme Court case, was decided in 2003. The Iowa Court of Appeals addressed the same issue the same year. And Rickard Jones is in 2000. Makes clear that it applies to any insured. Opposing counsel in the district court both read any out of the exclusion itself. Counsel's argument regarding the severability clause has already been reviewed and determined by the Iowa Supreme Court in both Oregon, Vance, and by the Iowa Court of Appeals in Eastman. All of them finding that the use of the phrase and or any insured does not change the analysis under the severability clause. That is because they are. By Iowa law, to cover the named insured as well as any permissive user at the same time. With the 1999 amendment to Iowa Code sections 321 and 321A. Farm Bureau situations like this. They are required by Iowa law to cover their named insured. This is a policy that the named insured purchased. The coverage is between the parties. The exclusion could not be any clearer. It's valid under Iowa law. The district court's interpretation rules when it only looked at the title of the exclusion and refused to look at what was the terms or the provision itself of the exclusion. For all these reasons, Farm Bureau would request this court reverse the grant of summary judgment. The district court didn't just look at the title. It didn't look at anything on this issue. It didn't acknowledge this issue. Probably, I think, because you buried it so deep in your summary judgment brief. I would represent, Your Honor, the issue of who was insured did take quite a bit of briefing. The issue of what? Who was insured did take up quite a bit of the briefing on summary judgment. Yes, because you were arguing that they won't. Yes, Your Honor. That was because you were arguing the issue you lost and didn't appeal. We don't appeal that Menards is an unnamed insured under the policy. We did raise and the district court did rule on the issue of whether the intrafamily member immunity exclusion applied to Menards. The fact of the matter is the district court gave the analysis of this exclusion. Respectfully, Your Honor, we would ask that the court reverse the grant of summary judgment. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. The case has been well briefed and argued. We'll take it under advisement.
responding to one sentence in your summary judgment brief. You know, uh, with that, Your Honor, I have some sympathy for, for district courts who are led completely off the path and then have to deal with it. At least I have great sympathy. judgment to be granted to Farm Bureau. Thank you. Very good. Case has been thoroughly briefed and argued, and we will take it under advisement. Does that complete the afternoon's calendar? Yes, it does, Your Honor. Very good. Then the court.